0: We have talked a lot about long-term care facilities, the need to revamp them, maybe change the way they are laid out, how people experience long-term care. But what about the locations of assisted living and long-term care housing developments? Should they be more integrated into residential neighbourhoods? Well, joining us to talk more about this is Dan Levitt. He is the CEO at Kin Village, which is a long-term care and assisted living facility in South Delta. Dan, thank you so much for being with us again.
1: Great to be here, Jill. Uh,
0: You have written about this and you wrote an opinion piece in the Vancouver Sun. What are you talking about or what are you hoping for when we look at where long term care is located?
1: Well, I think specifically what I'm advocating for is community support, uh, Yimbyism, that when we hear about a development for older people that is going to be in our neighborhood, in our backyard, that might impact on where we live, that we are open-minded to it and we're supportive of it. Because I think part of the detriment of the reason why we haven't seen um, the location of these places um, in community centers, in town centers, in, in the gathering places where where we all think of that village that we uh, spend part of our weekends, part of part of our free time where we might have grown up, we don't really see those um, buildings located in, in that area. So um, when a senior needs uh, long-term care assist living or senior housing, they sometimes are um, have to move out of that area. And uh, I'm advocating that we should be building these places right in the town centre where we live.
0: And is there pushback to that or is it more difficult to try and get these types of care facilities built in those areas?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think um, what I was surprised about was that uh, the neighbourhood where I live in Vancouver, I was surprised to find out that there is NIMBYism to the projects that are being built right on the main streets, on Granville, on Arbutus, and Dunbar. Uh, There's a lot of pushback from the neighbours across the street, and... uh, the developer is addressing those issues, but the neighbors are quite concerned. And uh, the term ageism um, found itself 53 years ago um, in Washington, D.C., where development was going to go up, a social housing development for seniors. And uh, the reasons why the neighbors didn't want it in Washington, D.C., in Chevy Chase, a suburb of D.C., was exactly the kinds of things that we hear about those other protected groups. So I think we really need to see uh, a shift of perspective of embracing these developments for older people.
0: What are the reasons given, or what do you hear of then, even in Vancouver in those examples, as to why somebody wouldn't want a long-term care facility or even an assisted living, more of a kind of a medical, more of a hospital-type setting, a facility in their neighbourhood?
1: I think it's for all the same reasons um, why you know we're so used to um, the neighborhood we grew up in um, we have this this idyllic image of the the community where we you know we we spent our lives and those of us who who have lived all our lives in one community or if we have moved around there's certain elements that you look for you but you don't necessarily look for, for a nursing home to be located or a living building to be located um, nearby. But because of the demographic shift, we really need to have those places come on board. So people are concerned about you know, the neighbourhood changing for, for all those reasons. And uh, most of us, if you've lived in, in Vancouver, um, most of your life or the areas around Vancouver, it has changed dramatically. And that's all for the good. And part of that, that diversity and, and inclusivity is places for seniors to live.
0: Where Kin Village is located, where you were the CEO in Tawasin, it is in a very residential neighborhood. It's also very close to one of the shopping areas in Tawasin. How was it, do you think, and I know you've not been there since the beginning, but how is it, do you think, that that was welcomed and, and that became part of the community?
1: Well, I think that um, Tawasin and South Delta had a very open mind. Of wanting to get all the components that you need to have an age friendly and have diversity in in this community and um, Kin Village for the for listeners who don't know it's as Jill described is right in the town center of of the city and uh, we are you know literally um, walking distance our property borders um, the main uh, uh, field uh, for soccer and uh, for lawn bowling and just behind there are major um, big shop uh, grocery stores and restaurants, and the banks are there, great coffee shops are there, libraries here, um, and everything that you could ever want. And there's lots of affordable housing and different options for housing in the area and residential. So it's the perfect kind of setup, and seniors aren't ostracized and, you know, living next to other buildings that don't have kind of that community feeling. And I just think um, that we see um, students coming to our cafe uh, for lunch, Um, Multi-generations are here, and that's really the ideal setting, and we should see that, I think, across all of our cities in British Columbia.
0: And so do you think it's the physical appearance of the buildings, like you said, that they're not single family homes, they look more like community centers, they're they're bigger buildings? Is it that because it seems odd to me that it would be the fact that it's seniors, because I mean, you could hardly ask for quieter neighbors. It's not like there are parties breaking out and it's a, a loud, noisy neighbor, even with a lot of traffic. I mean, it almost seems they, they almost seem like the perfect neighbor.
1: Jill, Jill, I have to to invite you to one of our dance parties <laughs> that the seniors throw here at, at our community center. Uh, they're raucous events, and uh, they're um, you know kind of uh, redefining what people might think of of seniors. But yeah, you're generally right. Um, you know, they would be good neighbors. They are good neighbors. Um, I have them on. Um, uh, to our north, the next couple houses have seniors living in them, and they're they're fantastic neighbors. Obviously, so you're right. It may not be the person; it might be um, the the building structure. Uh, maybe it's too it's too high in nature. But that is kind of by the the density and by it's by being by the value of the land. But if we can th- rethink, as you open up the session, rethink um, what a nursing home is or what these places look like. Could you build something and have subsidies and uh, consider um, that would these buildings would only look like homes in the area and and really meld perfectly into the environment. I think that might help um, us be more age-friendly-minded.
0: And isn't that part of the conversation we've been having as well, is that shift to not making it like a hospital or an institution to make make long-term care facilities not only look like homes, but when you go into them also feel like homes, but then also finding that balance and making sure people have the supports that they need.
1: Well, that's exactly the case. I think um, the care is going to be there regardless. Um, we have phenomenal people working in long-term care and assisted living, um, and we've got to recognize and celebrate them and, and encourage people to want to work in the sector. Likewise, the the environment should feel just like a home and not be home-like, because I think home-like is kind of dressing it up, dressing a hospital up. It's got to be at home and think about all those things that you have in your own home. Those should be in, in the care home and, and assisted living building. And then, of course, on the outside, it should look like The the buildings around there. So if you're building these places next to townhomes, it probably looks like that. Or if they're single-family homes, uh, maybe two stories, try to build it in that same uh, design so um, they don't stick out and they really um, are welcoming places for all generations.
0: Is it an issue as well in that land is, is more abundant and it's often not as expensive the farther we go away from city centres? So is it something that as long as you have community buy-in or you have a community that's, that's open to this and understands that this is actually a good thing for your community, is it easier, do you think, to try and do this in more of, of a suburb-like setting rather than when we're dealing with prime land, say, in a city centre?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Definitely from the economics point, point of view. Um, and then, of course, the people who are living and working there. I visited um, my dad and I, who's turning 86 in a couple of days. Um, we visited a one just b- because of um, of this article, this issue. We wanted to visit one in Park Royal. And just above um, the mall is this you know beautiful, expansive uh, property. And uh, yes, it's prime real estate. And um, it does contribute to the economy. The people who live there are spending their money in the local shops. And it's, um, it, it has a positive impact on the businesses in that area and also you know, providing more um, diversity in, for example, in the ages of the residents. But, yes, it would be much cheaper, obviously, to have the, these places being built in um in civically owned or, or provincially owned lands and even further afield. But I think that is the concern is we've got to build these places in the heart of our cities and not to kind of ostracize them uh, outside of the, the core of where we're living now.
0: How do you do that, though, and still not make it so it's, you know, 8000 $10,000 a month for somebody to move there?
1: yeah well, I think we have to even rethink that um that from our own pocketbook if we're able to afford that, um yes, we shouldn't have to spend our life savings uh, to move into these places, but I think we have to you know reimagine and reconsider um what that what that looks like and Unfortunately, the reality is that in long-term care, the average length of stay, because we're delaying uh, moving in and the eligibility criteria have been reduced, I mean, the average stay is 18 months, and that's going to decrease. So if you were paying $10,000 for 18 months, you could, we all can do the math of $180,000, and if you, have, um, if you own property right now, that's going to be a percentage of, of you know, somebody else's inheritance. So you start thinking about the actual numbers that you're spending, and to have um, a good quality of life at the end of your life – Um, perhaps something we should be thinking about and planning for, and there's different um, financial models. We can look at those reverse mortgages. uh, We can look at pulling equity out. We could also look at things like long-term care insurance or assist living insurance, different ways of of making sure we can have access to those uh, perhaps better uh, properties or different living options to give us more choice towards the end of life.
0: How are we doing as far as the numbers and and wait times? People that need long-term care and are are wanting to go and move into these facilities, are they still waiting long times or is it an unreasonable wait as far as the number of beds?
1: Well, that we could have a whole other conversation just about that topic because i think that's a really interesting th- to, thing to to consider we are spending more time um aging at place in home we have more supports and um to age in our communities and that's really one of the successes that we should be celebrating and we should be encouraging and creating more of those supports um often it is um the daughter or the spouse who is caring for mum or dad Um, living at home and they can age longer, but because they're aging longer at home and they're moving in later and the criteria to move in have been tightened, We're seeing shorter lengths of stay, so that definitely decreases the pressure on the system. So we haven't built as many um, units, new units. But if you look at the demographic trends and you look at um, who's going in, we do need to increase the numbers uh, drastically. And we also have to think about um, that wait list and think what is a reasonable time to move in. So um, it's easier to move in through the hospital because of the urgency. But you start looking at um, the number of beds that are available. Are there enough for the population needed? And how long are we waiting? when you go into the care home that isn't your first choice how long does it take to be transferred to your first choice and will you ever even get there and that is especially relevant when you don't have care homes or long-term or living buildings nearby where you live
0: all right so we will pick that up on another day i'm sure dan levitt as always thank you so much for being with us
1: anytime joe thank you